there listening are yearning for a proven goal scorer, a lethal finisher, a fox in the box, a number nine, most of you, I bet. This is Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Inter-Miami insider and Instagram story addict, Franco Finizzo. (laughs) (laughs) Franco, 270 minutes of soccer plus change since we last recorded a podcast and uh, with a lot of ball being kicked around and nobody in Inter-Miami colors actually finding the back of the net. Yeah, it's been three very eventful games, and that's crazy to think about given that they have not scored a goal during those 270 minutes, like you said. But there's been some promising signs. It hasn't been all negative, but I mean, obviously one of the biggest takeaways is that they have not been able to to score and, and continue to have issues in that final third that need to be addressed if they're going to have a shot at, at making making the playoffs this year. So definitely some good and bad in, in these last three games and, and plenty of questions to, to talk about and, and for the team to try to answer in the games ahead. And based on the discussion that we had uh, in the last pod where we, we spoke about XG and whether that was a statistic that mattered, I sent you a, uh, a tweet yesterday. First 20 minutes, pretty decent XG as a joke um, to hey see man, what look, your reaction the, the, would the, be. The, the FS, and as expected. I don't I don't know if the FS1 guys like listen to the podcast or what, but they definitely like seemed to really want to make it a point to talk about XGs uh, on the last game against Nashville in the 0-0 draw. They, Did they, they really? Yeah, they talked about it like at least three to four times. At least three to four. And then they, they explained it multiple times and what it was. And they, they brought up a, a graphic with like the, what were the expected goals in a certain moment. Like They, they went into it very heavily. In, in this game, more than I've seen in other broadcasts, which I thought was surprising or interesting, but yeah, and, and perhaps and perhaps a little unnecessary um, as well, uh, because I don't think it's a stat that you should just look uh, at by itself. Okay, Franco, no goals since you last heard our voices out there, but a lot has happened since Inter Miami won a thriller in their home opener against Orlando, three two that ended, and you were there for that historic debut there was a home game against atlanta which was postponed as mls players and those of other leagues including the nba essentially went on strike in solidarity with jacob blake who was shot by police in kenosha wisconsin that was followed by a one nil loss in nashville a scoreless draw in atlanta and another goalless affair against nashville in rainy inter miami cf Stadium. On today's pod, we'll review the last of those because just too much to pack into a short pod. Um, by the way, that game saw Blaise Matuidi make his much-anticipated debut. We'll address the Gonzalo Higuain reports, and Franco has his finger on the pulse, the much-coveted number nine, and we'll look ahead to Wednesday's match against Atlanta, the second encounter between both teams. A lot to cover So let's get to it. This was Inter-Miami's 11 for the last match against Nashville. Robles in goal, a back four of Figal Reyes, Gonzalez Perez, and Sweat. A double pivot of Ulloa and debutante Matuidi. Morgan, Pizarro, and Agudelo in the attacking midfield. And Carranza up top. He cut an isolated figure for a lot of the game. A pretty impressive first 20 minutes that essentially petered out to what we saw in Nashville 
and Atlanta. But I think, Franco, you and I will agree that Inter-Miami should have collected all three points in this one. Well, they definitely, like I tweeted at the end of the game, they definitely were a little unlucky not to score, but they were also lucky not to get scored on. Nashville also had some very good chances, two pretty good chances that they could have easily scored it with and taken the lead and taken all three points. But if Miami had gotten a goal or two in that rapid fire hot start that they had to to this game, then I think obviously they would have put them in a great position to to take all three points. And they probably should, you you know, you could argue it either way, but I think they probably should have taken the three points a little bit more so than, than Nashville. Even though Nashville again had the probably the best chance of the game when when Daniel Lovitz took the ball in the 80th minute from Leandro Gonzalez Pires deep in the in the final third and then was under very little duress as he you know kind of jogged towards goal with the ball and then somehow slots it wide of the far post past the helpless Luis Robles but Miami did have more clear cut chances in this one and there was a lot of good things a lot of positive things to take away from that and the ability to how they created these clear-cut chances because that's something they had not had a surplus of in in recent matches but then that failure to finish and 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 the crazy part is Rodolfo Pizarro has a sublime opportunity a, a picture perfect opportunity inside the six yard box wide open and he puts it wide of the frame it was just it's just it's just it was tough pill to swallow surely for for the whole group and you kind of get the sense that that the the lack of winning and the lack of scoring is starting to weigh on the players you could see with every miss just how much how how much frustration there was and how much uh disbelief there was with what what's what was transpiring on the field but you know at some point one of these one of those is going to go in at least that's that's the thought if they can continue to create the type of chances that they did so but they, the sooner the better, of course, because the team needs to make up ground in the Eastern Conference. And right now, has, has, the team hasn't been able to do that. They they continue to sit in the bottom of the of the standings, dead last in the Eastern Conference, with now five points from nine games. Yeah, the 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 thing that struck me early on were was how dominant Inter Miami was in this game in those first fifteen to twenty minutes, and three very good goal scoring chances. In that time period, you you, you uh, had the one Garanza from the six yard box, and perhaps he had a, a a tight angle, and that went wide. You had that opportunity that presented itself to Pizarro, which started with a sublime uh, threaded pass, eye of the needle stuff from Matuidi to break the lines, and ultimately. Um, the cross comes in and Pizarro has the goal at his mercy and he hits it wide because I think he tries to overplace it and perhaps he should have gone in with his head as Alexi Lalas did uh, note. And then Pizarro again, uh, the angle not the most favorable, but certainly a player with his ability should have at least put his shot on target when Agudelo found him after a great play from Morgan down the right-hand side, red carpet square ball that Carranza could not reach, which ultimately ends up for a goal kick when Pizarro once again misses uh, the goal. But let's start with the positive here. And you mentioned both sides of it, and I agree with you that at the end of the day, when you are not scoring that weighs on you, particularly when you lost the first five uh, games in in franchise history. 
But the first 20 minutes, I think Diego Alonso has to look at that and think, wow, that was good. Uh, we prevented Nashville from playing. We essentially uh, suffocated them and created those cha- those chances from out wide. And on a better day, we're going to put those uh, away. And then you look at the inclusion of Blaise Matuidi, who I thought was a bat out of hell in, in, in this game. Just not only the amount of, of grass that he, that he covered, which really shows why his par- partnership with Uyoa could work out. These are two guys who, who cover a lot of ground. They, they were able to press Nashville out of, their, out of their game. And as long as you have space for Pizarro, I think, to, to pull the strings, I think that could, be, that could be something, a tandem, that is a workable one because both you and I had anticipated that it would be Will Trappen with Matuidi, and that may still happen. Of course, he ran out of gas, and as he ran out of gas, so did Inter-Miami. Yeah, the, you know, Matuidi was a big part in the team's ability to play as good a 20 minutes of soccer as we've probably seen from them this season. Like you said, not only did they move the ball around a lot better than than we've seen and keep possession and create chances from that possession, but when they didn't have the ball, they also pressed and suffocated Nashville and didn't allow Nashville LC to get comfortable. But like you said, once Matuidi after halftime started to fade a little bit physically, he hadn't play, he hasn't played in, in in a game in a more than a month. He only had two team training sessions with the group prior to to this match. Once he faded. Inter Miami started to fade a little bit, and their stranglehold on the game started to started to go away. They also, I mean, Nashville also made some adjustments, particularly with how they how they pressed Inter Miami during the first half. You know, I, I don't think you could see it well on the broadcast because when I watched the replay last night, you don't they don't really show you the broadcast doesn't really show you how Inter Miami tries to build out, but in the stadium, you you know that you could see they and they they've done this obviously in other situations with Will Trap. Um, this time it was, it was Victor Ulloa doing it, where Luis Robles is is over the ball in, in on the six yard line, and you have the you have two center backs split outside the eighteen yard box, and then Victor Ulloa stands next to or whoever the number six is, but in this case it was Victor Ulloa stands next to stands next to Robles, and either they push their arms up, and when they do that they usually go long towards the sides looking for the wingers. Or more often than not, you see Robles just touch the ball with his foot, officially putting it into play, and Uyoa then pl- plays it short to one of the center backs that he has uh, on either side of him, just outside the box. So it, when Miami was doing a lot of that short passing in the first half, and Nashville was was pressing, and they were getting caught with quick balls over the top of them, that allowed Miami to 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 break through and, and start to get into the their half a little bit too easily, and then in the second half you saw Nashville start to push off or, or back off when and allowed Miami to, to to build out that way and and try to come towards them a little bit. So it was an interesting tactic they've they've been they've been doing it, but I think it was more effective in in this game at least particularly in that first half. And look, Matuidi as good as as good as he was and definitely deserves a lot of credit and a lot of props for that first half performance and the the way he played through the lines and, and gave Miami an added dimension, an added element uh, in the attack and in the press that they haven't had to this point. I also think Ben Sweat and Juan Agudelo had just as good, if not better, games. Definitely Ben Sweat. You know, Agudelo, you could argue it because he also faded in the second half. 
But Ben Sweat and Juan Aguadelo were involved in all four of the best scoring chances that Inter Miami had on the day. Ben Sweat sets up, I, Ben sets up, sets up three of them directly himself. It was a massive, massive performance from the left back who gets his share of criticism, rightly so, uh, because of, of some of the hiccups he's had. But in this game, this might have just been his his best game in an Inter Miami jersey, and this is coming off of the last home game where he also played well and got an assist. So a strong performance from Ben Sweat, strong performance from Juan Aguadelo, who who was playing at left midfield in this one. And uh, that, again, the the, the more the performances, the individual performances were better, and the collective showing as a result was much better. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Ben Sweat, and, and I agree that he had a good game, but the moments where he shone the brightest with Agudelo on the left side was when Inter-Miami did something very interesting in the buildup. You mentioned Ulloa coming in centrally in between the two center backs to collect the ball, and I thought that when he did that, that was actually when Inter-Miami had the most trouble building. One thing that was curious to me, and I, I saw Matuidi do it in the second half a little bit, is that sometimes when Inter-Miami built from the back, you had Sweat push up, and that pushed Agudelo a little bit more central. Uh, and you had Ulloa drop almost like a third center back to the right of Reyes. So it was Gonzalez Pires to the left, uh, Reyes in the middle, and Ulloa to the right. That allowed Figal to push up with, with, with Matuidi. And by doing that, two things happened. Number one, you created those overloads on the wing, which I think... Um, as you noted, Agudelo and Sweat made the most of, uh, although it did work on occasion with, with Figal and, and Morgan. For example, it allowed Figal sometimes to push up the middle right cha- channel. Instead of, instead of hugging the line, he came inside a little bit more, and that allowed Morgan to widen the field on the right. Because you were able to do that, because you were because they were able to do that to create those overloads on the wing, it opened up a lot of space for for Matuidi uh, in the middle and Pizarro as well. And I was struck at how quickly after the first 20 minutes they they stopped doing that um, because it was it was proving effective. Now. One thing that you that you said played a part in that, and that was the different defensive posture shown by 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 Nashville. They started sitting a little bit deeper, so it was difficult for for Miami to play in between the lines. But that seemed to me to be a recipe for success going forward. And when they came back to that a little bit in the second half, but this time it was Matuidi who sometimes came down very deep and became that third center back. He, he did it infrequently, though, so not enough to make that much of a difference. Things started opening up again. So I like that buildup. Um, I, I like the idea that you can you can push Gonzalez Pires to the left. We know that he's one of the best center backs in the league when it comes to switching the ball from left to right. Uh, and, and, you know, he's very good at pinging a pass. He's, he's very accurate. He found a, a Godello on a couple of situations. So I'd like to see that a little bit more. And again, as I noted earlier... That is one of the reasons why Matuidi found himself in as much space as he did in that central channel. And to piggyback on one last point that you made, that was something that was unavailable to Inter Miami all season long. There wasn't that option there. It was either Pizarro opening up space or Pellegrini coming in a little centrally to figure out out how he could exploit 
uh, a little bit of uh, of space at well as well it it just wasn't common and Matuidi made it happen so that was a dimension to use your word that was available uh that was present and i think it bodes well for whatever comes next for inter miami yeah i think this is a tactic and and something that Diego Alonso has tried to do it's something we've seen Inter Miami try to build out in this way, and you've seen these different formational looks in different moments. Again, with the personnel he's had at his disposal, it obviously hasn't worked very well. But you saw now more, maybe a little bit more of what he's actually looking to do and how effective it can be if he has the right pieces. Because look, Diego Alonso has he said this in in the pre match press conference the day before this match uh, against Nashville is that. I think it was the last question too, and his last response. It was, he was he said something along the lines of, "Once we get more players that fit the way we want to play, you, we, 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 the ideas that you're going to see are us play the the brand of soccer that we want to play." I don't know how convinced he is with this squad that was built, and that's something I think needs to be said. I, I don't, I haven't written that yet. I haven't. This is the first time I, I'm saying it publicly, but I don't know how happy. Diego Alonso is or how how much he rates the squad he has at his disposal we've talked about the changes he's done over the course of the first few games of the season how, how he moved players after just one or two mistakes and, and would bench them and then rotate and he's gone out he's gone with Dylan Nealis at right back Nicolas Vigal he's, he's swapped so many different players I don't know how pleased he is with the roster he has I think he and he pretty much said he you know there there need there's more quality players that they would like to bring in obviously this is mls so he it's not like he has uh he can just get an unlimited supply of of talented players uh, there's obviously a salary cap but you have to you have to remember this roster was built largely before he was signed as the head coach because he was signed late into the process right before the start of the new year so he he didn't have a say in much of this and much of the squad that was built after he he arrived after he was appointed you got Nicolas Figal you got Rodolfo Pizarro you got a couple more players but the bulk of the squad was built before he was named the head coach so I think that's an interesting part in 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 all of this and in this the story that is the 2020 season for Inter Miami but I think you're starting to see a little bit more of what he wants to do what he wants to show Again, he's still missing a key piece, that number nine, that that's that striker, that proven goal scorer. They're missing that. They're apparently in the works or working on that. So we'll see if the team can take another step once that is finalized or once that happens because it's still an important part that this team is missing. Yeah, I think that's an, that's that's a good point. Although I would argue, and we've touched on this on, on, on previous pods, that Comparatively speaking to a lot of other teams in Major League Soccer, this is a good squad. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this back line. Gonzalez, Perez, and Reyes. Reyes, man, uh, prone to a couple of mistakes. He's a young player. He's learning. But I think he has the potential easily to become one of the best center backs in Major League Soccer. But I don't think he'll remain in Major League Soccer for very long. I actually think that I know there's an option to buy him and Inter Miami will probably pull the trigger uh, on that. But he's going to be in Europe in, 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 in two seasons. 
without a doubt. Then you've got Gonzalez Perez, who has added some solidity in that in that back line. And I know, look, he just came. He, he just mistake? he just came. But he just came. He just came. They just brought him he just on board, came. right? So like, right? And, and, just, and it wasn't a move that's that, going to improve. Correct. But that like, so that's not. But let me just say this. Let me just say this. And I I know a lot of people, and and I I, I don't know if if uh, if Stu Holden made this point that. What was Gonzalez Perez thinking when he slid into that challenge that allowed uh, Lovitz a, a look on goal? And by the way, I don't think Robles was hapless. I think I thought he came out of his line, uh, from his line, very very quickly. But that was just unfortunate. He tried to clear the ball out. It it, it snuck underneath it. It squeezed underneath his 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 legs. But other than that, that back line I thought did a very very solid job. Uh, I mean, it was mostly I would say net positive. But listen, in the, in that situation. You can't take that gamble. You just can't take that gamble. You can't just slide and hope that you win the ball and like no, like that's why the play. So happened. what do you do instead? Smash the ball out. Smash the ball out of the field. Get 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 that out of there, or, or like get your body onto the player and, and like I, you can't just slide in there and let and like hope that you win the fifty fifty. Like you need to know you're it winning the fifty fifty. It was it was a last ditch challenge. It wasn't like he had time to just run up to the ball and clear it. I think he was trying to clear it. I don't think he was trying to keep possession. Mm, I, and, Maybe he no, was. Maybe no. he was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because the, 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 the way the way that the ball ended up trickling out, it felt like he he was trying to keep keep control of it, like win, knock 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 Lovitz over and, and stand back up with the ball at his feet. That's what it that's what it seemed like to me. And there was the play in the first half where they they kind of fell asleep a little bit on a set piece. It was a well worked set piece from Nashville. And you know, Max McCarty passed the back post to Do- find Dom- um, Dominique Badgie. Zimmerman. No, Dominique Badgie to- like to- gets gets a foot on it from in close, and Robles just get- gets just big enough to to kill the momentum of the ball. It kind of just sat there on like the one yard line, right in front of the goal line, and and Nicolas Vigal was able to to clear right. it out. But I mean, the- but that was the only clear opportunity that they had. Correct. Cor- but they, I mean, but they're still pretty good. You know, high percentage chances. If they were in your expected goals chart that you have from the game, I'm sure they would. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be high, uh, high up there. But uh, the defense was overall positive. I, I, I think the defense is set. As something I, I was thinking about today when I was wrapping up with some work, I was. I think the back line is set. I think that four that four that four man uh, back line is is what Diego Alonso is going to go with much of the rest of the year. Luis Robles in goal. Matuidi will obviously start in one of the, in the central midfield spots. It's the other positions. Well, obviously, Pizarro again is also a, a, a lock starter, but I think it's the other few positions that, that are still up in the air and who, who, who wins out in those spots and who performs and who delivers the goals and can be consistent there. I think that's what Diego Alonso is still, in a, still trying to figure out as he moves along in this in this 2020 season, and there was something else I was going to say before we got into the the whole defensive part, but um, yeah, I don't remember now, so we'll just we'll just keep keep it moving. Well, let me well let me just uh, let me just bring in a point here. When you look at the substitutions, and he brings Jay Chapman in, and you see Lee Win on the bench, I think the question is answered that that Diego Alonso is not counting on Lee Win, and I can't for the life of me understand why because. I actually think that Wynn has come into uh, a few games this season and made things happen, not brilliantly, but has been able to, you know, stitch up the play uh, a bit. And I was surprised that he was left on the bench when Inter-Miami needed a little bit of added creativity, needed to take the pressure off uh, of Pizarro. 
And then, so you can address both these points. I'll make my second one. You know, you and I texted about this, but Carranza was a non-factor uh, in this game. He had the one opportunity, but, um, and, and look, that's going to happen because one of the points that we made when you asked the question two weeks ago when we did the pod, whether Inter Miami still needed a number nine, and I said, yes, absolutely. One of the points that I made is when you have a young player like uh, Julian Carranza, inconsistency tends to be the crippling factor. And he wasn't he wasn't present. He wasn't good at holding up the ball, I didn't think. Uh, when he looked for space, he tended to run into the space that Pizarro was, was, was occupying. And when Chapman came in, the verticality that he adds, the diagonal runs, opened up a little bit more space again for Inter Miami when they looked a, a, a little bit stale. So... What do you make about? Did you, the, wait, do you mean? Do you mean do you, I think I think you mean I think you meant Robbie Robinson there. I, I think. What? Who did I say? Who you, did I you say? You said Jay Chapman, which you had talked about before, uh, yeah. but that that was your no, first point, right? Yeah. Yes, R- Robbie Robinson. So, w- what do you have to say about the Lee Wynn situation okay. and uh, about Carranza and perhaps that battle with Robbie Robinson for that number nine spot for now? And we'll talk about Iguain later. Yeah. So, look, absolutely, and I'm glad that you brought the Lee Wynn part up as. Like you did, because that's exactly where I was going to go back with the with what I just mentioned that I had forgotten. I just wanted to go back to the point of <clears throat> the roster being built before Alonso got here. Inter Miami had talked about wanting to play this proactive style, ball on the ground. So it seems like the moves that were made were with that in mind, regardless of who the head coach that was going to get brought in. That, that was the plan. That that was Paul McDonough's plan for, for this squad. Now, again, Lee Wynn is not necessarily someone that Diego Alonso asked for. Probably didn't know much about Lee Wynn, if at all. So for me, I don't think Lee Wynn fits what Diego Alonso wants. I think it's clear now that that's, that that's the case. I wrote that in my grades piece today with the player ratings where I do my three points of, of analysis for each match and for, on SBISoccer.com. And it, it's like if Jay Chapman's coming in ahead of, ahead of Lee Wynn in a game that's 0-0, then that just shows who Alonso rates higher and if that's the case it's you know I don't think Jay Chapman's looked bad in any of the games he's had or any of the cameos he's had but Lee Wynn probably gives you a little more in the attack he's probably not as good defensively or maybe doesn't have as much industry as Jay Chapman does and I think that's something Diego Alonso rates judging off of just the lineups he's thrown out there over the course of this season so I think that's why you're not seeing Lee Wynn and I think you're not going to see much more Lee Wynn the rest of the way unless injuries happen or unless he comes in and and, and really takes advantage of his opportunities but again this is, I think it's just a case of him not being a player that necessarily fits the profile that Diego Alonso wants from his central midfielders. And I'll point to this because this, this was news I broke over the weekend. I had heard from a source that the team was waving Luis Argudo and the team made that official announcement Saturday afternoon. And again, that's a player that was taken in the, in the expansion draft, if I'm not mistaken, and he was not kept from the expansion draft. So you're starting to already see players... That are that are being deemed surplus to requirements, or that are just being moved away because this Diego Alonso has an idea for what he wants, and it's not necessarily this the base of this roster, or it's not necessarily a lot of this roster. So you could, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a good bit of change uh, over over the off season. As for the the forward position, Carranza. yeah, I mean, it, this is what we talked about. You know, you, you, he ha- he would have to have shown on a consistent basis that he 
can be the guy at, up top, and that that'd be the only way Inter Miami doesn't sign a number nine or doesn't try doesn't try to sign a number nine. And he just didn't have it in this one. He he physically he got knocked off the ball a few times, and he just seemed disconnected from from the team on both sides. Didn't seem to really press well. Didn't seem to really find the game. So you know he was pulled eight minutes into the second half, which I thought was a little surprising because of how early it was in the second half. But Robbie Robinson did show did show some things when he came on, and I thought he looked confident on the ball. Had that one great chance that Joe Willis saved, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who, who who gets the looks in the short term, at least until that DP number nine arrives. So uh, I think Robinson's definitely made a case for himself, though. Yeah, I think he starts in the next game, actually. Um, I really do. I, I think that he he, he uh, compliments. It, it just seems like there is an understanding there uh, in terms of his movement Um that that Carranza hasn't yet gotten with with his team, and that could be lack of minutes. You know, he started the season uh, injured, but of course, Robbie Robinson had his injury as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, Robbie Robinson um, start. Um, just quick word on on Matuidi. I you know I saw Twitter light up with Inter Miami fans really impressed with his performance, and I thought it was a a, a very good performance. Uh, some people already you know. Uh, using hyperbole to to describe him i will say this and, and you know franco i've covered mls uh for, i haven't covered mls recently um but you and i met covering the the new york rebels so uh, i'm invested in this league and i think that soccer will only gain prominence in this country once people really buy into their domestic league i mean that's that's how it happened happens but when you see matuidi a, a, a Matuidi who is at half fitness come into a, an MLS game and dominate the midfield in the way that he did. Yes, that's that really shows the quality player that, that Matuidi is. But it also shows how much the league has to grow in quality because Matuidi is a, is a terrific player and I've, and I've always liked him. But the way that he took the reins of this game uh, really caught me by, by, by surprise and, and that perhaps is not necessarily a very good reflection of either A, where the league is right now, or where Inter Miami certainly is uh, right now. I thought, so there's. I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that. I thought you were gonna say or or it's to you. Because <laughs> dude, it's, it, look, Matuidi is a, a World Cup winner. He's played for Juventus. He's played for the top teams in the world. He's clearly one of the top players in in his position. And it's not a surprise that he can, that he looks a level two or three above the rest of these players in the MLS that don't have that experience, don't play at that level, have not played at that level, probably won't play at that level. So. For me, it's not surprising to see him come in and, and, and help make that big of a difference so quickly. It's impressive, yes, because he's, he's literally been with the team for two training sessions. And but quality always or quality tends to show out on the field. You can you can usually tell the difference or the different players and, and their skill sets pretty quickly. Uh, you know, give all things considered, if you if everything's uh, on a level playing field. So I, for me, it's not. It wasn't a, a huge surprise to see him play well. It was definitely a, a welcome development if you're Inter Miami. But 
I don't I don't think that I don't think it's I don't think it was a surprise. I think it's just it's just Well, hold on. I didn't say I didn't say play well. I I said as dominant and at half fitness. So what I'll add to that is this. And yes, he's a World Cup winner right? and that makes uh, that, that makes not only a World Cup winner but a starter Correct. on a World Cup winning uh winning team and playing out of out of position. Uh but I will say this. Just imagine how much better he's going to be when he's at full fitness and for you inter Miami fans who are not familiar with Matuidi's game, you're going to see something that you didn't see a lot from him in this game and that is the way that he drives into the box. It drives perhaps is not the right word because he does it without the ball, but the way he uh, attacks the box to meet crosses um he, he's going to he's going to get his fair share of goals, I think, and that is a side of the of his game which we didn't see very much of uh, against against Nashville, but we will. And when he adds that extra body to the box, the way that they played in the first 20 minutes, I think we will see more goals, particularly if a certain Gonzalo Higuain uh, arrives in Miami, and that's exactly what we are going to to talk about next. Franco, we asked the question two weeks ago, and I mentioned this earlier in the pod. Did Inter Miami still need a number nine after we saw Carranza uh, score a brace against Orlando City? Perhaps yesterday answered the question, and the rumor has been that Gonzalo Higuain is very close to agreeing terms and making a move to Miami now that Miami has the players' uh, discovery rights. So two things from you. Number one, how close is this deal to being made because you've been on top of this story? And number two, explain to our listeners what discovery rights are because DC had them and now Inter-Miami does. So, well, reportedly has hasn't been announced. It's not an official, uh, an official transaction that's happened, although it's probably just a formality at this point. Look, so it, it seems very likely that Gonzalo Higuain is going to sign with Inter-Miami. ESPN reported after other reports came out in Europe and elsewhere that he's very close to signing or coming to personal terms with Inter-Miami. He's not wanted at Juventus anymore. Same situation as, as Blaise Matuidi. What's left to figure out is how he can get what what's going to be the settlement what's going to be the number that they agree upon and then we're talking about Juventus and 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 Iguain in terms of letting him go cuz he's obviously still has a guaranteed contract and in order for him to, for them to buy him out of it he's going to want uh, a a large sum or a, at least a, a portion a good portion of what's left or what's owed to him so that has to be figured out reportedly his agent's going to to, to go figure that part out tomorrow Tuesday, and once that is agreed upon, if that can be agreed upon, then the door is open for him to join Inter Miami without them having to pay a transfer fee, just like they did not with Matuidi. And then he's the number nine, the the star number nine that they've wanted, that they've been looking for, that should come in and provide a, a number of goals. For, for the side. So it's close to happening. It looks very close to happening. Inter Miami's also made, reportedly made moves behind the scenes. 
such as acquiring his discovery rights, which I'll get to in, in a second. And they also recently made two roster moves over the weekend. With, again, the, the, the news I reported on uh, I, I reported on, on Saturday. They waived Argudo and they and they sent Christian McCoon to the USL team. So that opens up two roster slots. One will apparently be used for Iguain. And I don't think you're reportedly trade for player rights and open up a roster spot if you don't have the full intention of signing this this player or knowing that you're going to sign this player. I just don't think those are moves you make until you're practically assured of that happening. So I think it's going to happen. I think it's just a matter of a few days or, or just figuring out this process of, of getting Iguain's contract bought out at Juventus or him coming to terms with them on on what number they they'll give him for to to send him on his way. Now what are discovery rights? So MLS has this weird mechanism where teams have I, th- I think it's up to 10 players. You can put on a list, they can change it at any time. You can identify 10 players in the world of soccer and te- therefore you have their rights unless you drop them off your list and then someone else picks them up. Like you have to have these players on your list in order to sign them as as a club and no no two teams can have the same players so it's it's a very weird and complex thing but DC United apparently had Gonzalo Higuaín's rights maybe not too surprising given that they have his brother Federico Higuaín over there but if Inter Miami wanted to sign him which it looks like it's on course to happening then Inter Miami had to get the discovery rights from DC United so they they're reportedly sending some allocation money in order to do that, which is the standard move for 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 a deal like that where you're tra- where you're trading discovery rights. So again, I don't think these are moves Inter Miami would make or, or be in the process of making if they didn't fully have the intention of signing Wayne. I think he'll be here before this month is over. But again, the first the most important part or the next the next step is him getting getting out of his Juventus contract. I think this is a, a great move for Inter Miami. Not only is he South American, which uh, gets bums on seats uh, whenever that happens. <laughs> um, it's already happening in Orlando, and I can't, I can't believe it. So whenever that happens uh, here in, in, in South Florida, um, he's exactly the kind of bona fide superstar that will excite a, a, a fan base. He's only 32 years old, so age-wise, a better signing than Luis Suarez. The question is, can you get this guy to peak fitness? Because the one, the, the one criticism of, uh, uh, of Gonzalo Higuain is that he very often looks to be overweight, and he, when he is overweight, he doesn't perform uh, to the level that he can. And just to give you a little bit of, a, of an idea that, of the level that he can reach. This is a guy who has the Serie A scoring record, scoring 36 goals in 35 games in 2015-2016 for for Napoli under Maurizio Sarri. He scored 24 goals the season after that, 16. There was a drop-off, but he wasn't... um, you know, the undisputed starter and there were weight issues, but he comes into MLS and I mentioned Matuidi being head and shoulders above everybody else on the pitch uh, yesterday. This is a guy who in full fitness uh, will be 
one of the best players in in major league soccer and if you give him if you provide him with service he will score some golazos for inter miami so i think this is a this is a move that fans should be very very uh excited about yeah i'm, I'm i mean <clears throat> he fits the argentine mold of you know there's obviously been there's quite a few argentine players on on the squad so he fits the, the the atmosphere that exists in the in, in the locker room and to the South Florida fan base, like you said, when when people can get back or can get into Inter Miami CF Stadium, there is the week this weekend's game at Orlando uh, that will have fans in the stands. There might be Inter Miami fans in that one. I, I expect that some Inter Miami fans will buy tickets and, and make the trip up. I don't know how many, but I expect that that'll happen. But Again, for Egoin, I think it's, I think it's a good signing. If it happens, I think it'll address a position of need that they've needed to address for so long. I'm curious to see how he affects the the function of the team, and I don't I don't know how how his pressing game is at this point in the, this stage in his career. So that will be an interesting wrinkle in his whole in his signing and his approach if he is part of the group but but that if he that if that he'll score goals and that he'll do well in the final third I have no doubt about that it's just I have questions of how he will fit Diego Alonso's high pressing high energy style of play but I think it'll overall be a positive sign that'll help Inter Miami in, in a big way yeah, and that has a lot to do with uh, Diego Alonso being able to motivate Gonzalo Higuain and reminding him that he's not coming to Miami on uh, vacation. Uh, let's look ahead. Oh, one thing real quick. One thing that you will see from Gonzalo Higuain, and he's the kind of guy who gives his teammates a lot of dirty looks when he doesn't get the service that he uh, expects. Uh, Franco, let's move on very quickly, and let's make this a short preview to the game on Wednesday against Atlanta United. Atlanta United will arrive in Fort Lauderdale having uh, tied Orlando City 1-1, but they will be without P.T. Martinez, who has moved uh, to Saudi Arabia to continue his career. A big money move for him, no doubt. Uh, But he hasn't quite been performing to the level that everybody expected him to, considering that he came to Atlanta United, a Copa Libertadores winner and MVP for River Plate. How do you see this panning out? With Matuidi in the lineup, with Atlanta United not looking all that good as of late, even though they just got a result at Orlando City with a late goal, I think this one is Inter-Miami's for the taking. Inter-Miami probably should have beaten Atlanta. In Atlanta, they had a couple of very good looks in that game that they somehow failed to put away. And I think if they can they can finally put the ball in the back of the net, I think this is theirs for the taking. I think this will be three points for Miami, three big points, three confidence-boosting points. Again, we know this team's had trouble finishing, but... I think they'll they'll find a way to, to get a goal, at least a goal or two here. And then I don't think Atlanta has enough to, to really make Inter-Miami pay at, at this point. They're obviously going through transition and no PT. That's just one more, one less difference maker that they have on the field. So I, I think Inter-Miami's for the, for the taking. So I, I, if they don't get a win at home against this beat, beat up and, and hurt Atlanta, then Man, Inter Miami's in in worse shape than than I than I think. So, but I I think I think they'll they'll get the job done. Right. If there's a time to face Atlanta, this would be it. Right. You've got uh, Barco, who is now the the star of the team, but 
There are rumors about him potentially leaving with Sevilla in La Liga, an apparent destination. And he's one of those guys who can turn a game on, on its head, but sometimes he, he's, he, you know, he's, he disappears a little bit um, from the game. No, no doubting, no doubting his talent, but certainly a, a difference maker. I'm curious to see whether Jurgen Damm gets his start for Atlanta in this next game. He's getting acclimatized. Um, I, you know, I know him quite well from from his time in Mexico. He's a very good player with a with a lot of speed, and they still have some very good players at Atlanta United. So uh, while advantage for Inter Miami because they are playing at home and because they can be buttressed by those first 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes um, of, of the game against uh, Nashville. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Um, and of course, Gonzalez Perez getting a, a, a second opportunity to face his former team, a team with which with uh, he won uh, an MLS Cup. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I think I don't think I look for me. I don't think this is going to be a, a tough match. I think this one is Inter Miami's. It, if they can play as well as they played during those first 20, 25 minutes for at least one half against Atlanta, I don't see Atlanta having a chance in this one. I just don't see the difference makers that they that they have. Obviously, Inter Miami has shot themselves in the foot in more ways than one this season. But I think that this game. They could easily win this game by multiple goals and really get get that confidence that they're that they're lacking. So for me, I think it's 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 not going to be a, a close contest. I think Inter Miami, again, I, I'm repeating the same thing, but I think Inter Miami is the the three points are there for them. They wow. just ha- they just have they just, have to, they just have to perform. They just have to perform. That's a heck of a statement about a team that has lost no less than six out of their nine games with two draws and just one win, and that was against uh, Orlando City. Look, uh, an opportunity to play at home once again, an opportunity to have a fitter of Blaise Matuidi, and perhaps a Miami team going into this one knowing by that point that they will have another number Nine, a World Cup finalist, a two-time Copa America uh, finalist, or is it three-time? Two-time that I can that I can remember, and, and that has a way of invigorating a team. Last thoughts, Franco. Just last thoughts is uh, for me. It's let's keep an eye on the the Matias Pellegrini situation. He didn't dress in this last match against Nashville SC. The official reason we were given by the the team staff was that he's injured and he's day to day but no 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 uh de- no more details as to regards to what the injury is or what he has Diego Alonso was asked by a member of the media at the end of the p- press conference yesterday and he just his response to, to why Matias Pellegrini wasn't available was just that and I'm I'm translating here in English but he said he wasn't available so therefore he wasn't at my disposal that was his, that was that was his response. You know, that is the perfect. That's the perfect definition of a tautology for all of you uh, out there. Yeah. So just keep an. I think that's something to keep an eye on. See what see what happens with that going forward. Maybe maybe Pellegrini does have an injury, but maybe there's there's more to it. Not not sure, but keep an eye on that. Uh, I should have said example of a tautology. And with that, we've come to the end of the show. Just a brief reminder that you can catch uh, Franco on every. Uh, social media platform he's got lots of videos on youtube that you should definitely check out 
And of course, leave those uh, reviews. We appreciate them and they make the pod uh, more available and easier to find for anybody who wants news on Inter Miami. Thanks a lot for listening. Until next time, we'll talk.